Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Some directors like to drop Easter eggs into their films. Little bonuses in their films for the eagle-eyed viewers to spot. Alfred Hitchcock often inserted himself into the backgrounds of his films. Finding him became kind of a game. One that was sometimes so distracting viewers needed to watch a movie more than once because they didn't catch the story the first time around. Random characters or props do little more than entice an audience to pay closer attention to the background of a scene. In one instance, however... A piece of film's set decoration set off a firestorm through the international art world, and it was all thanks to a mouse. It all started around 1926. The Hungarian artist Robert Barony had a big name in the avant-garde scene at the time. He'd already brought Expressionism and Cubism to the country prior to the start of World War I. Before that, he had studied in Paris, focusing on post-Impressionism and studying the works of Van Gogh and Gauguin. After a few exhibits of his paintings, Barony returned to Budapest and founded his own small art collective in 1911. He caused waves that year when the public attended his exhibition. His paintings were so unlike what the Hungarian critics were used to, and while some enjoyed it, many did not. Around 1919, Barony left Hungary to live in Berlin, where he stayed for several years. He had painted recruitment posters in support of the Hungarian Democratic Republic, a communist state that had formed in the collapse of Austro-Hungary after the end of World War I. When that republic fell in November of 1919, Barony was forced to flee. He continued to paint, though, pushing the boundaries of Cubism and Expressionism. He also became a composer for a short time to make ends meet. Then, in the mid-1920s, Barony returned to his home country. By that time, though, another style had taken hold of him. Art Deco combined the cubism he was familiar with with a bold new color palette and incorporated influences from all over the world, including China and Persia. And above all else, Art Deco represented the future, the future of art, of technology, and of architecture. Barony was inspired to paint his second wife in the Art Deco style. The portrait, measuring two feet by almost three feet, was titled Sleeping Lady with Black Vase, It depicted a woman in a blue dress reclining on a large brown couch. A yellow table with a black vase stood in front of her. The painting was put on display in Budapest's Ernst Museum in 1928, supposedly the last time anyone saw it before it disappeared. It had been sold to a Jewish buyer who eventually fled Hungary just before World War II. After that, no one ever laid eyes on it again. That is, until Gergely Barkey sat down to watch a movie with his daughter in 2009. Barkey had been a historian at the Hungarian National Gallery, an art museum in Budapest. On Christmas Eve of that year, he'd come home after a long day at work to watch a movie on television with his young daughter. She settled into his lap, and Barkey turned on the 1999 children's movie, Stuart Little. Partway into the film, he saw it. It was hanging on the wall behind the three main human characters and the computer-generated mouse. Barky almost dropped his daughter to the floor in shock. The sleeping lady had been found. 
He immediately began emailing every cast and crew member connected with the film, asking them about the whereabouts of the painting. A response came from an assistant set designer who had worked on the picture two years later. It turned out that the story of Barony's masterpiece was a mysterious one. The painting had surfaced 50 years after World War II at an auction in San Diego, California. The buyer at the time had paid all of $40 for it. It then ended up in an antique store, having been sold to the shop for a whopping $400. Apparently, nobody knew what they really had. It wasn't long before a local woman walked into the store and purchased the painting to hang in her own home. She happened to work as a set designer in Hollywood, creating and decorating the sets that would be seen in major motion pictures. Then, while decorating the Stuart Little set, the woman realized Barony's painting would look perfect hanging over the Little family's fireplace in the movie. She took it off her own wall and brought it to the set. When filming completed, the painting went back home with her. Barkey and the woman eventually arranged a meeting. He flew to her house in Washington, where he was able to see the once-lost work in person. Sadly, he didn't get to take it home with him. Sleeping Beauty with Black Vase went up for auction several years later, selling for over $285,000. But the story does have a kind of happy ending. The painting wound up in the possession of a Hungarian buyer, bringing Barony's masterpiece home once and hopefully for all. Sometimes we reach a point in our lives where we feel the need to reinvent ourselves. Perhaps we grow tired of our careers and decide to make a change, or we chop off the hairstyle we've had for 20 years in favor of something a little bolder. At the dawn of World War II, one man saw a need to reinvent himself, but he changed more than his hair. He changed everything. Kasper Brandhofer was an actor. It had been his calling from a young age. Born in Austria-Hungary in 1891, he began attending the prestigious University of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna when he was just 22, the same school that had once counted among its students composers Gustav Mahler and Jean Sibelius. He then enlisted in World War I, joining the Austro-Hungarian army as a private. Branhofer eventually rose to the rank of lieutenant and was awarded a medal for valor after being wounded in battle. He also became a family man, settling down and having two children, a boy and a girl. But Branhofer never forgot his first love, the theater. When the war ended, he started performing in plays all over Germany, playing the Duke of Albany in a Viennese production of King Lear, then joining a theater company in Munich in 1921 before eventually moving to Berlin. Sadly, his marriage suffered from all the travel and work. Branhofer was divorced in 1925 and started a theater company with his new love, actress Agnes Straub. But Branhofer was forced to leave Berlin several years later. He retreated to a mountain cabin in the state of Tyrol in western Austria. For one year, he honed his craft while the Nazis took over Germany. Branhofer eventually returned, though, sporting a full beard and whitened hair, intent on making his mark once more. Except something was different about him. Something other than his looks. He was suddenly unfamiliar with aspects of the theater that he'd known so well before. In fact, one castmate had to explain the concept of a monologue to him, which Branhofer understood as something he called a dialogue with my Lord God. He also fancied himself a natural actor, eschewing the formal education he'd received when he was younger. As far as the other cast members knew, he had taught himself everything he knew. Branhofer's first leap back into the theater world was a production of a play called Fraulein Elsa. 
The show opened in December of 1936. Critics loved his performance, and so did the Nazis. They rallied behind him, lauding his rise to stardom as a self-taught natural actor and a poster child for their Aryan agenda. The director of the show offered Branhofer a three-year contract. All it had taken was one role, and he was on top of the world in a way he'd never been before. But then one week later, Branhofer came clean. He couldn't deal with his success leading to the growth of the Nazi party, and so he told them the truth. His name was not Caspar Branhofer. It was Leon Reese. He'd been born to Jewish parents and had first taken on the stage name of Leo Rus. When the Nazis took over Berlin, the actor fled to the mountains of Tyrol, where he concocted a whole new persona for himself. He learned to act and speak like the local farmers. He let his hair get long, and he grew a beard. Rees then soaked all the hair on his body in hydrogen peroxide baths to dye it blonde. Finally, he positioned himself as a Christian actor, one who did not study at a prominent German school. He was self-taught, and he took on the name of Caspar Brandhofer. Nobody in Berlin recognized him, not even the actors and directors he'd previously worked with. His one-year sabbatical had worked. Following his confession, Rees was hauled into court and tried for living under a false name. He made a stand, advocating that being an actor came down to one's talent, not their race. A fine was levied against him for his actions, but he knew it was only a matter of time before he'd faced harsher punishment, and so he left Germany altogether. In 1937, Reese came to the United States and changed his name once more. He now went by Lionel Royce, working his way up with small parts in major motion pictures. He built a nice career for himself in Hollywood, acting alongside legends like Tyrone Power, Rita Hayworth, and Edward G. Robinson. Leon Reese died of a heart attack in 1946 at the age of 55. He acted in many fine films toward the end of his life, but his finest performance was that of a Jewish actor playing an Aryan who made the fools of the Nazis. Too bad there wasn't an Oscar for that category. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.